one of the traditions we have, we, we, we really like, especially the old Christmas movies and, and the black and white ones are even better. But um, one of our favorite is, is the Christmas Carol. Of course, that goes by different names, but Charles Dickens wrote it. And uh, our, our most favorite, and we've, we have a number of them we've watched, but our favorites, it's not in black and white, but it's the one by George C. Scott. Have you ever, have you seen that, A Christmas Carol? With, he's the, the main actor, Scrooge. It's powerful, powerful. And I just read this little review of it, and this really ties with what we want to talk about today. It says that George C. Scott indeed gives a powerful performance as Ebenezer Scrooge in this truly heartwarming telling of Charles Dickens' beloved drama. At first, bitter, miserable, greedy old Scrooge can't tolerate the revelry of Christmas, much less comprehend its meaning. But timely visits from his former business partner's ghosts and three cautionary spirits from the past, present, and future force Scrooge to do an honest soul search. Facing and grappling with his own losses, realities, and bitterness, Scrooge finally recognizes the repercussions of heartlessness in this classic, timeless story. And even as we unfold the word for a little bit today, I pray that, that the light of truth will shine on us and that he'll expose what's really in our heart because it's not too, time, it's not too late to get in gear to truly experience the blessing season. So I've been talking about letting different things go. Based upon this carol, let every heart prepare him room. So it's make room. So I just want to continue this theme today that I remind you that this world is not our home. So this is not all there is. Pastor, you've said that. Yeah, I say things over and over again thinking it may sink in. You must keep this as your life perspective when you move through the circumstances, even of this season. You were created for so much more. But as you journey through life, we often tend to Velcro things that weigh you down and slow you down. Thus giving many times a Scrooge mentality of Christmas. So in the blessing season, right in the middle of it, and we are, you, you may be dealing with something that needs to go if you're gonna make room for what matters most. It needs to go because it's always destructive. And it's not just us word, but it's other word as well. Having this in families and relationship often spoils or, or at least taints the blessing season for many. And within the sound of my voice today, some of you are there. You have a sense of dread over things that are yet to come in the next week or two. So we look at Hebrews chapter 12 to identify this thing that we need to let go of. And here it is in verse 14. Work at living in peace with everyone. Does that sound easy to you? No, work at it. 
And this is admonition to us. It's not to somebody else, but you gotta take this individual and work at living a holy life For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. In other words, our profession and our possession needs to align, doesn't it? Knowing that in this life, we're never perfect, that's not the point, but we want our lives to reflect him. My lands all through the year, but especially in a season like this, it says in verse 15, look after each other, so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on God's grace. I don't want anybody to miss out on God's grace. So watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, listen to this, to trouble you, corrupting many. It's not just a you and me thing it's like ripples in the pond. The Bible says, again, make every effort to live in peace. So our word today that we need to let go of, representing inward thoughts and attitudes, is bitterness. And I want to tell you that God and the Holy Spirit never cause bitterness. Did you hear what I said? How often? Never. God is never the source of it, though he is often the target of it. You follow me? Because it's kind of cool to be mad at God and to blame him for things we know not of. It's trendy. What God wants from you this Christmas season is for you to give him your bitterness. What a gift exchange. He wants to give you his peace, but in order to for you to, to, to receive it, to be gifted to you, you have to let go of your bitterness. Do it for him. Do it for them. Do it for you. Surrender it. He knows that this is one of the greatest tools the enemy uses to destroy relationships and lives, that bitter root. It begins with something small, an offense, something that someone said or did, but I want to tell you, it, 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 it goes and, and it regenerates until it gets into a bitter root, and we know that root systems affect what grows above. Agreed? So with that in mind, we know that God's word is clear, not just in this season, but God wants you to love at all times and in all circumstances. Is his love circumstantial? Of course not. And he does not want his love flowing through us to be circumstantial at all. He wants to give you life. I'll say it again. His love is not based on circumstantials. It's not based upon how you feel in any given moment. God wants you to trust him in all things, even with that cherished and nurtured offense, or that bitter root. Our eternal enemy will do everything he can to plant seeds of offense deep in your heart, and over time, as I mentioned, these will take root and become roots of bitterness in our heart and life. Bitter is never better. 
And I'm sorry, I apologize to those of you that like dark chocolates, it's 85% or whatever. It's bitter and it's nasty. If you think it's good, your taste buds need to be notified. One of the things my mother always made that I thought was really good was our cranberry salad. The thing about my mom's cooking is she was good. God bless her in memory and so thankful for her. And she was a good cook, a good flavorer. But she left chunks of things in things that shouldn't have chunks in it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you needed a fork to eat our chili and vegetable soup. I mean, you had to stab those big objects floating around like hunks of beef and kidney beans and ugh, all that stuff. And I grew up on cranberry salad. I mean, we, she made it probably twice a year, maybe Thanksgiving, maybe Easter, but Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, and I thought it was good, but the, but the problem was there were still chunks. And how many of you chewed on a cranberry, raw cranberry lately? Doesn't it have kind of a bitter aftertaste to it? Well, I thought my mother's was really good and the chunks of nuts, I liked that. But then Dixie started experimenting with my mom's recipe. And I'm gonna tell you, she makes a mean cranberry salad now. The chunks are gone. She probably doubled the sugar intake or something like that. I'm not sure in the jello, but I'm telling you, it is sweet and so good. I'm telling you, bitter's never better. Especially at Christmas time. Especially at Christmas time in the blessing season. So I want to talk about, Pastor, why would you talk about this the Sunday before Christmas? Because I want us to enjoy Christmas to the full. Maybe it's, as I talked last week, maybe there's, a, there's something stuck in you because there's been a lack of responsiveness from somebody you text, emailed, or posted, or carded, or did whatever, and you've got something going on. I mean, you're thinking about that. Or maybe somebody unfriended you. Or maybe you have an attitude because you're sick of people who don't bring, but they're sure to take. <laughs> don't act like you're sitting next to one. <laughs> or maybe someone deceived you or, or lied or lies about you. I mean, it's, it's one thing to deal with somebody that lied about you, but it's another thing to deal with somebody who lies about you as in present tense active. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We don't have much trouble dealing with stuff in the past, but when it's going on present, but yet... That's the thing that ruins and taints the blessing season. Or there's a relative that's so critical of you and yours. And it's, it's sticking in your soul, in your spirit. Or maybe you've been taken advantage of or betrayed. I don't know. But I know, if I know anything, based upon God's word, I know this, you can't not control what people think or say or do, but you can control how you choose to respond. <laughs> because it's not you, it's God's power working in and through you if you know him. Will you let it? Sometimes we, you know, I, what I'm trying to point out is that we get so bogged down and clogged up with bitterness that his grace can't make it through us to where he wants it to go. Because you might be a deliverer of God's grace this blessing season. So letting go is about getting unclogged. Yeah?
My mind's going places, but I won't say it. I just have to enjoy these thoughts for myself as I often say. When God's presence is in you because you've said yes, you're in relationship with him, his presence and power, you do have respondability and responsibility. You can choose it. So here's the problem. Offenses that may be so small stack up and Velcro to us and turn into bitterness and bitterness grows into a root system that is not life-giving. Never, ever, because bitter's never better. It's always destructive and it is never God's intent. It's never the Holy Spirit whispering in your ear to your spirit, you need to hang on to that. If that was, you've been done wrong. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. I visited this, but I'll touch on, on it again. How many Christmases and holidays have been tainted and ruined by offense and bitterness? Therefore, you get an attitude, you dread it, and you can't wait until it's over because all we know, we know this, that Christmas is about relationships, isn't it? That's what it's about. And if there's a problem in today, it, it's, it's dealing with relationships. If, if, there's, if your view is skewed over the blessing season, it's about relationships either this way or that way or both. This is emotional stuff that comes from deep within and it's always magnified this time of year. I mean, when relationships are good this way and that way, I mean, the tinsel and the lights seem to sparkle brighter. The silver bells ring. But when relationships are not good, it seems dull and pointless and bitter. This season is supposed to be a time with people you love, people that you hold near and dear. And it may be a significant loss that was mentioned today of why you're bitter about that loss. This is naturally intended to be a joyful season. Joy to the world, we sing. But seeds of bitterness often rob you or offense rob you and yours of that joy. They're joy stealers and joy killers. Even though, listen, you may get an attitude about this or that that was not right, you were done wrong, it's never God's fault. In fact, it may be a significant growth opportunity for you and yours. You could be a change agent in that circumstance if you'll tune in and do what God would have you to do. Bitterness is always a problem whenever it presents itself or, or whether it, it, if it seethes and works underground. You need to do something about it. Why? Because it takes up space in your heart and life, and I'll call that God space. So the letting go is about not being stopped up and clogged, but making, creating God space so his love can flow through you and to others. I'm gonna tell you again, your love won't change anybody, but God's love in you and through you can make a world of difference. Otherwise, you're gonna keep score. 
Well, I did this and they didn't reciprocate. They didn't respond. No, God's love isn't that way. It just keeps coming at you. Don't love me anymore, God. Don't love me anymore. Don't love me anymore. You can't stop his love. And I want to tell you today, if you're full of bitterness, I want to say it strongly. He still loves you. He doesn't love you when you get rid of it. He loves you most right now. He just wants you to trust him and say, man, I don't want anything holding me back. As Judy prayed, we, we don't want anything to get in the way of that adoration. And sometimes when we hold on to something like bitterness, it's like putting a board and trying to hug somebody with our arms with the board in between us. You follow me? The board needs to go. God's not mad. He's not upset at you. He's got something better for you. Do you understand that? He wants you to walk in freedom. He wants to give you his gift of grace. He wants you to be able to be a distributor of his gift of grace, but you've got to receive it before you can give it. Wow. So I want to read verse 15 again of Hebrews 12. Look after each other. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. I'll say it again, we're grace distributors, God's grace distributors. And yeah, I think sometimes we divert God's grace away from somebody that he wants us to deliver it to because of our attitude toward them. We think they're far, far away, but maybe they've never been closer. Watch out, it reads again, for that poisonous root of bitterness that grows up to trouble you and corrupts many. Because if you have an attitude of bitterness, it's not just about you. You are hurting those who love you. You're hurting those whom you say you love. As I read this, I thought, man, I never want to be in position of failing to receive the grace of God. Because if I am in that position, I have nothing to offer anyone. I've read about different root systems for different trees. This was a twist I hadn't read. The mighty oak tree is a sight to behold. You know, oaks are something, aren't they? And they just keep standing. Generally, that's what they do for years and years. And it thrives in all kinds of conditions. Its mighty limbs can face and withstand fierce winds because a root system, a fully mature oak system I read, has a hidden root system that if lined up end to end would span the entire distance at least of a mile. That's six and a half laps around our worship center in the hallways, we figured out. It's the secret of strength, the root system. But listen, I want to tell you, a root system can also be a, a secret of weakness. If there's bitterness, bitterness needs to go. You and I, we have a root system that's out of sight too, but it's that source of either strength or weakness. And when you sub choose to submerge hurt and disappointment and betrayal and letdowns and lies, it doesn't go away. It drains and saturates and pollutes your spiritual root system. Whether you know it or not, 
it will cause you and yours trouble over time. It's never harmless. I think mistakenly sometimes we think that un, untended, un, things that left unattended in our lives, that as we mature in age, that it's gonna get better. I'm here to tell you it doesn't get better, it gets worse. It gets more bitter. You don't let go of it, you hang on even more tightly, and that, that actually becomes almost your identity as a bitter person. You may not either even realize it, but others do. Well, a dangerous root in Hebrews 12, 15b, I'll read again, that poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. It's so dangerous because it often grows out of sight undetected. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to speak truth and breathe truth into our lives because he'll show us what's out of kelter in our hearts. And that's what we want, don't we? Don't we welcome his correction and direction, inspection? Nursing a hurt becomes an offense and offense leads to bitterness and bitterness contaminates your entire root system. In other words, your outlook, your perspective of life in general. It gets down in your heart and soul and the collateral damage I believe the scripture is telling us is extensive, corrupting, impacting many. Think about this for a moment, whatever you are between, between Sundays and if you're working at school, whatever, on, on teams, whatever. Have you ever seen how one bitter person can destroy groups and set the tone, have you? I mean a workplace environment the unity of, of a team and, and, or, or a family. In fact, it might be impacting a very person that you love who's sitting near to you today. Bitterness is awfully hard to see in the mirror because it's invisible and you often feel justified because some of what someone said, did, or didn't do and, and it wasn't right and you're right, it was not right. And you wouldn't feel this way if they had dot, 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 fill it in. But the Bible says the poisonous fruit, the problem is the poisonous fruit isn't just dangerous, poisonous. And it says it's not gonna just trouble you, but it says again, it's gonna corrupt many. I wanna tell you that it's tough to come into God's presence and worship and celebrate the love of God freely in a spirit and in truth when you have bitterness towards someone in your heart. And, and it's, bitterness is always connected to someone, again, to a relationship. They don't mix. How can you freely receive God's love and forgiveness and then withhold it from another person that God loves? Dixie and I were talking about something this week, just a difficult situation, and I said, and remember that God loves that person. God loves that person despite what they've done, in spite of where they are. And that includes you. First John four, verse 20. If anyone says, I love God, but keeps on hating his brother, that deals with bitterness. He is a liar. For if he doesn't love his brother <coughs> who is right in front of him, how can he love God whom he has never seen? And God himself has said that one must love not only God, but also his brother. 
And you know, as I'm, as I'm speaking this morning, your mind has already framed a situation, a person or a circumstance. It could be a reflective mirror. I don't know what the situation is. But I know this, you can't begin to heal from something until you're, when you're unwilling to acknowledge that it's there. That's why God's spirit is so faithful. So in the quietness of these moments, would you open your heart and would you ask God because he loves you, would you trust him enough to say, reveal anything you see, the truth about what you know, about anything that you see is buried in my heart that could be damaging me and damaging others that love me? Maybe you're point of bitterness is yourself, or maybe it's towards God, but there's a cure, and I'm sure there's more than this, but I want to hit a couple things as I wrap it up. How do you go about killing that root of bitterness that's in you? How do you cut it out before it becomes that root? Is there a cure? Ephesians 4, 31. Listen to this. Very clear. Get rid of all, did you see, what's that mean? All, yeah. All bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. So in other words, it's linking bitterness to evil behavior. Even if bitterness you think is not a behavior, it's an attitude, attitudes still show, don't they? Instead, here's the answer, verse 32. Be kind to each other. Why? Because Proverbs 19.22 says, kindness makes a person attractive. Not only that, but it makes God attractive through you and in you. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Does anybody remember when God touched you with his grace and forgiveness? Do you remember how you experienced a freedom you've never known? He changed your life dramatically with his loving touch. So two words I wanna pull from that scripture, and I'll make the first one compassion, but I'll link that with kindness and compassion. I wanna tell you those two, as in one slash kindness slash compassion, they are tried and tested bitter root killers. You can't walk in kindness and compassion when you have bitterness in your heart and life. Can't do it. I'll read again, 432a, instead of that, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. The Bible says in another spot, I didn't look it up, but those who forgive much, what do they do? They love much. And we should also tack on that they forgive much. Now, just a theological correction here. I am not suggesting for a second that we can forgive somebody's sin because that, they have to do that with God. Do you understand that? But we're responsible for letting other people's sin control us. We allow many times other people's sin to help us to sin against God. So there's a tension in some today because you realize you're carrying offense and bitterness deep within and you have felt justified in nurturing it. But you've heard that the best way to treat it is to respond in kindness and compassion to forgive and to treat each other in a God-delivered dose of kindness and compassion. Well, I tried it. I did it once. 
You got to make a choice and live there. That, that needs to become your new address, Kindness and Compassion Avenue. That's where you live. Romans 12, 21 speaks to it. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Luke 6, 28, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Wow. How many of you know that the laws of heaven are so different than the tendencies of human nature? God's way always has a higher standard, and it's always the road less traveled. Romans 12, 21. I love Romans chapter 12 in general, but verse 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. Overcome bitterness with kindness and compassion. They're good. And by the way, I, as I was reading this, I thought, did you know that the greatest act of compassion and kindness, do you know what the greatest act is? It's when we pray for the ones that hurt us. Oops. The one who's done you wrong, and I mean, you've got a lot of opinions, they all agree with you. Listen, why is it so powerful? Listen, I, I want to do this disclaimer. It may not change the one you're praying for, but it will most certainly change you. We do it for his sake. We do it for his sake. Father, bring glory to your name. And I can't think of anything that brings more glory to his name than forgiving and responding in kindness and compassion when that hasn't been coming at you because it points to him and praises him from whom all blessings flow. Yeah? I think I'm speaking the truth today. It's been pretty, pretty quiet in here. Thanks for coming out. This was a lonely place up here today. And finally, tacking onto that, following right along, it's a companion, but the Bible's instructing us to live in forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't about something you've just chosen to do. It's a place where you choose to live. So it's compassion, kindness, and forgiveness um, avenue, if you will. It's one of the best bitter root killers. Pastor, pastor, by the way, I love it when you call me pastor. You couldn't compliment me more than that. Pastor, pastor, you don't know what's been done to me. You're right, but God does, and here's what he says in 432. Instead of responding in the former ways, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Come on, look in the mirror of truth. Has God forgiven you? Is there anything that he's not willing to forgive you for? Absolutely he is. He loves you. His forgiveness has already been provided through Christ's death on the cross. But have you received it? How has God forgiven you? Immediately, when you ask generously, absolutely, unconditionally, when you forgive others by choice, you're passing on what God and his grace and mercy has given you. God is the one who has initiated all of this and makes it possible. Jesus came to the earth and hung on the cross to pay for your sins and theirs. He did it all so that you could be freely forgiven. He died so you could freely forgive others and not live in the trap, in the cesspool of bitterness.
Don't compare your sin and the sins of others. Sin is sin, and it's against God. Sin creates distance and separates us from God, but it never diminishes his love for you. Are you with me on that? I want you to get that. That's been so impressed. That's the first thing I thought when I woke up this morning, just to stress again that God absolutely loves you. Romans 3, 23 and 4, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Is anybody thankful for that? And that's not an excuse for careless living. That's a wake-up call that says, come, let us adore him. And how can I withhold that that he has given to me freely? How could I ever withhold that or redirect that from someone else? In this blessing season, yes. I don't know if I've ever done a message like this in blessing season, but in this season, I felt like I should, and I can't think of a better time to take step towards freedom from bitterness than now. How about you? And then to offer his grace and mercy to others. So would you pray these things? Father, I don't feel like it today, but I want to forgive. And so, because I want to, I choose to forgive. I choose to release it. I choose to let go right now. I choose not to hold this, name it, against him anymore. Because it's killing me and people I love. I choose to release them. I choose to leave it in the past. I choose this as a path to God's promised peace. Romans 12, 18 says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Remember the earlier scripture said, work at it. It requires effort. What you can do, regardless of the situation, is to show kindness and compassion, to pray for, and to extend genuine forgiveness. This makes room for the love of God to overwhelm your heart and life, and not only yours, but the hearts and lives of others. Leave the response or lack of it to God. He knows. He's got it covered. Leave it to him. This story caught me because over the years, Chris betrayed his wife in so many ways. It finally came out and hit the fan in ugly, ugly ways. And she was so deeply wounded and hurt and broken. And the pastor and the church, instead of, instead of stiff-arming them and throwing them out, they rallied around them and forgiveness was offered and received. And healing and restoration began in that kind of healthy atmosphere. But here's his testimony later. Listen to what he said. He said, my wife, my darling wife, had every right to remind me of what I had done to her. But listen, never, not one time did she ever throw my pasts in my face. I asked her one day, honey, how could you do this or not do this? She said, well, I felt like it most every day for a long time. Then I remembered that all my sin needed the blood of Jesus too. How could I receive what Jesus gave me and withhold it from you? That couple has been totally restored and are better than they've ever been in spite of all the hurt. 
First Corinthians sums it up, 13. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. Oh, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. There are some of you within the sound of my voice that believe in God and you believe that Jesus is a forgiver and that he has forgiven you. Still, you're not free and you know it. You're in the prison of your memories and you keep believing it and you keep rehearsing it and you nurture it. But God's spirit is saying it's time to let go, to release it. My former pastor, J.K., used to say something like this, and I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember exact words, but he said, listen, he said, when it comes to things we're talking about, this bitterness and offense, he said, if you could simply choose to forget, I guess you'd never have to practice forgiveness. He said, in other words, if you could just forget it, you'd never have to forgive it. But how many of you know that forgiveness is a spiritual discipline? It's an exercise. It's a growth opportunity. Someone has said something like this, and I've read it a number of places, but to forgive is to set a prisoner free and then discover that prisoner was you. I pray that God, by the power of his spirit, will set some of you free today. It doesn't have to be bells and whistles as you just say, here I am, and let go. So here's the good news I've been landing on for several weeks, Philippians 2.13. Here's how, here's, here's how. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Listen, look at me. It pleases him when you go palms up and palms out and you let go of bitterness. That brings glory to his name. That is always his will for you. He's true to himself, himself his word. Palms out, palms up, and then determine in its place to, to foster and to distribute the gifts of kindness and compassion and forgiveness this blessing season. And let it begin with me. Let it begin in me. This constantly flows from that decision you made, from that want-to place that I talk about, rather than your ever-changing, I feel like it because of what they have done, said, not done. Amen. I was thinking about the word forgiveness and I hyphenated in my notes. I put a question to end with, are you a for F O R E dash giver? In other words, I believe you can live in a place where you've already decided you want to, that you're going to release things, even things that come at you that are wrong, sinful things. You've made a decision. That's a forgiver. You've decided ahead of time you're going to live by God's grace and power. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand if you can, and we're going to close. And I'm going to have Nate just sing something simple, and I, I just want us to hover here for a moment. And and I know, I know you say, man, this is an unlikely message. I usually are talking about Christmas carols and all that, but I, I just feel like this specifically gets in our way and that we need some of you. Some of you are gonna be different today because of this choice you're making. 
If you've never, if you've never given God space in your heart by, by coming in repentance and confession and confession and repentance and received him in your life, that's the place to start. But some of you need to clear the channel because you are in relationship with him, but you've let things and circumstances taint so much and get it all clogged up and you've lost your joy. You've lost it all. But he's calling you back today. So saying yes to him isn't just the initial at the cross. Yes, I agree. Yes, I confess. Yes, I repent. Yes, I receive new life. Yes, I believe. But it's also saying yes, I'm, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you, Jesus, right now. So in the quietness of these moments, Nate, would you just play and sing a little bit of something? Just hold steady. Just hold steady. And just let the Holy Spirit talk to you and show you. And just maybe some of you, at least inwardly, just need to go palms up. You don't want anybody to see, but put them on your knees. Just go palms up right now. Speak to me.